Hello and welcome to the BZ Listening Podcast. I am your host, BZ Douglas. Every Monday I feature the songs and stories of musicians I've met along my journey as a musician. And today my guest is Killy Dwyer, who bears a lot more labels than simply musician. Killy is an actor, comedian, performance artist, MC, and ultimately deserving of her own self-affixed invented label of Mockstar. I met Killy about 10 years ago at Penny's Open Mic, now the open mic under St. Mark's in New York City, uh, just as I was starting to play music. And I have to say, it was because of the love and support from people like Killy that I found the confidence and ambition to just keep going further into this music thing that I discovered so late in life. Killy is the host of Mockumental, a bi-weekly show on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com that airs every other Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. Mockumental is a tasty comedy music treat for your ear holes, served up with a healthy dose of live jams and interviews with comedic musicians, and it's topped with listener questions, comments, requests, and hate mail, and paired with a, a feel-good Friday drinking game. It, it, and also, it's a really fun show to call into if you ever want. Uh, I don't get to, I don't do that often, but that's the one show that I've actually called into a few times. Uh, All right, I could go on and on and on about all the amazing stuff Killy has done and is doing, but that's what the interview's for. For links to all things Killy, swing by the website at bzdug.com slash podcast. That's B-Z-D-U-G. Okay, I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. God, this is. <laughs> uh, I, I'm down. I'm down. I'm ready. I'm. I'm here for it. Uh, hey, Deb. Deb is on the line now. Can you hear? Can you hear me, Deb? Can you hear Killy? Deb, uh, I, I love do. you. Hi. Uh, how are you, my lady friend? What's going on? <laughs> hey. How's Be it going? Here. Be here, baby. I'm. Killy was just telling good. me how great Thanks my for- podcast is. It's amazing. I'm uh, I'm dig I've been digging it, and I have like I'm pretty particular about my podcasts. I mean, I do like love to add friends because obviously we ha- we all have a lot of friends that have podcasts. Yeah, um, we like but to support. <laughs> I don't tend to, you know, some I I I meander in and out of, but I've been really digging it. So I, I feel like it's going going in a good place, and it comes from a. Um, a place of, um, you know, experience, I think, is one thing. Um, like Ryan was saying, you know, being a part of the scene there, but also all everything that, you know, you guys have both in, in experience here and, um, you know, and plus having a family. And there's all these um, aspects to it that are kind of really, it touches on a lot of different places that I, I like it to go. It goes in so many unique places, but it, but it, there's a, just, I guess the editing, uh, which, you know, I got a kudos to you for editing, man. I am just, ugh. editing to me is, I like editing music. I like editing, uh, written word, but, but I don't think I can, re- or, you know, like, I don't think I could edit, um, it doing anything that you've recorded listening back. It's very hearing it back and, and then started 
there's a judgment that starts to happen. And I, that, that, that's why I'm saying the editing part for me, uh, I really, I, 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 like I said, I give you major uh, <laughs> credit for that because I can barely listen to, I'm glad mine goes out live because I'm like, ooh, I don't I, I, like what happens is what happens, you know, I yeah. got two hours and that's that. And that's what people get. And it's either, usually it works out fine because I too have also learned my flow. I think, you know, we're talking in a similar, you know, way about flow is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, even in a live moment. And I think for me and like hosting shows, which, you know, from carnival and everything, it's like, you kind of know where the ebb and flow goes and where you need, something to happen and you know where you need a kind of um an arc uh or you know you, you know i don't know just something natural happens if if you're good at it and it just seems like you you just are you're good at it so whether it's natural or whether it's you know coming with time or whether you get better and better and then you just launch into this super sphere of amazing podcasts that are like uh this american life you're gonna this american life it <laughs> <laughs> We're getting meta here and that's fun, but I want to like, I've never like, Hey, Killy, I want to get to know your whole story. I've picked up what I've picked up in, you know, in between in scenes during our, our, our movie together. But well, I gotta be honest. I hope I get to know myself because like, I'm kind of like, Oh, I, you know, even listening, you know, the guests I've heard before, I'm like, it, it can be a little intimidating because like you, you've got some brainiacs that have come through and I'm just like, I'm just like not, I don't, I'm like, first of all, my memory is just terrible. So like whatever, whatever, I, I may not have any memories to share or like, where was I or where did it start? I have no idea. I might be able to fake it, but, um, well, I know how to frame it. I think I know how to frame it for you. You just need to think of like, we're, we're going to sit down and outline the, the, the Killy Dwyer biopic. <laughs> Oh God, this is, <laughs> uh, I, I'm down, I'm down, I'm ready. I'm, I'm here for it. We just kind of full steamed ahead into things. Um, I, w- I would like we to did. go back. Yeah. So you're from Toledo. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I was, I was raised in Toledo. I was born in San Francisco and I lived in New York for 25 years. So I've kind of like done, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've spanned. <laughs> the uh You've spanned the, the states. United States of America. These United States and um <laughs> uh you know I have uh I'm sure I've, I have a little bit of all of that in me and I think I, I feel that pretty consistently when I do work, you know, and when I do you know just I am existing in the in the world like uh, it it feels very much like I was born in San Francisco in 1972 and it feels very much like I was raised in Ohio and then it feels very much like I spent my more formative artistic uh, awakening in New York city. Um, and I think that that has built like the <laughs> weird, uh, the weird awesome robot person that you are. That I become. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get, a, I get a little bit of all of it and uh, you know, and I hope to kind of, and that's when I, you know, that's when I do kind of hope to like touch people, I guess, or, or, you know, ring a bell or, you know, uh, you know, sound, sound someone's consciousness into being or, or awakening, or that sounds way too pretentious for what I do. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, 
I feel like I'm tickling some kind of little place in each of those, you know, I guess types of people. You know, I'm not as I'm not Southern. I've never been, you know, I've never been a Southern person. So I, maybe I gotta, maybe I gotta go live in the South for a while. <laughs> so were you first um, uh, a performer more in like a theatrical, or was it music or comedy? Because um, you were a real hybrid of 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 you know a, a great live entertainer and MC and comedy and music that is is really hard to box in as far as exactly what it is depending on like the night that one sees you and what yeah, what realm yeah. were you what realm were you entering in at first do you think with performance oh uh, definitely musical theater you know i mean which covers a lot of all of the you know i think it, it, it unfortunately gets sort of like this n- niche weird um you know um place where it's kind of this goofy uh, uh, surfacey kind of stylized thing, musical theater. But in fact, it gives um, I think the performer, the art form, the, the theatricality, the musicality, all of it. It 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 has every every bit comedy, drama. It has it all. Um, you know, physical theater, physical comedy. There's so, there's all of that in musical theater, and that's pretty much where. Like I got my start. I was, um, you know, I did community theater, uh, musical theater when I was very young. And um, it just sort of, I think I'm still just a, a musical theater geek. I mean, if you gave it, if I had to like myself in a box, which I pride myself on never doing. Um, although, <laughs> The funny thing is that, you know, I don't go out for auditions on Broadway either, you know. So, uh, but if I had to, like, just say I'm in some kind of, um, if you want to reference me in Wikipedia, I mean, I'd probably be, like, a musical theater type person, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's it, it ticks all the boxes for me. When did you, uh, how did you come to move to New York? Uh, I was basically, I had gone to college for three years. I studied opera and musical theater. I double majored. You studied um, opera? I didn't know that. I did. That's cool. I studied opera. I 100% believe it after going through, like, yeah, hearing you over the years, the amount of times you will break out into some bravado. Yeah, actually, it makes (laughs) sense now that I think about it. Yeah. Some big opera moments, you know, um, I had the Oprah opera for a little while back in the day. Um, you know, I mean, I had just, I kind of, uh, I kind of wanted, I guess when I went to college, I had no idea, of course, like we all, I mean, why we're forced into that kind of schooling situation with that amount of money and debt, uh, on Did you go so to college in Toledo. I went to Bowling Green, which was about 25, uh, thir- about 30 miles. You know, that's the Toledo. same. That's the same college as our mayor. Oh, really? Yeah. BGSU, baby. <laughs> so your parents think- were supportive. They like you went to the Bowling Green, and uh, was that your parents saying, "All right, if you're gonna, if you want to be in music, you got to go get a degree"? Or were they just well, open they to letting like- you decide, like what do you, you know best? Yeah, they were more like, um, please go and let your brain develop a little bit more somewhere and close by in a situation where you're not so far away that we can't come and get you or not 
uh, in a situation where you're completely on your own. Um, I think they, like what I studied wasn't as important to them as like the safety of my, uh, I think they kind well, I think they were quite aware that I had some um, mental uh, illness at that point, and they wanted to make sure that, yes, I was experiencing adulthood and kind of moving out and getting uh, into the next step of my life. But they were more, they weren't as worried about what I was studying as that I was taking baby steps into like adulthood, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and make, and they were, they were, it was carefully curated in a way. You know, um, so it seemed more, I think, I feel like looking back at it, I had no idea of like, like we all had no idea, I suppose. Um, but I knew that I wanted like the basic, most basic training you could get in singing because, um, I was very interested. I knew I was very drawn to, uh, using my voice. I wasn't a great singer. I, I never in, in high school. I never had the lead. I always had the like comedy role, you know, in the shows. Um, and but I was, I was always using my voice to do really funny, funny things, you know. And I wanted to know, like, where did that come from, and how did it develop, and what's the beginning of that, and what's the most, I guess, basic uh, place that our modern musical theater comes from and that was opera so i i sort of just you know threw the dart in the dartboard and it landed in opera and i was like all right well i guess that's what i'm gonna do no one respects a slave Unless he's played Played by by Morgan Freeman And no one respects a Nazi Unless he's played Played by And no one respects a queer Unless he's played by Tom Hanks And no one respects an Indian or a Jew Unless they're played by Ben Kingsley Ben Kingsley Ben Kingsley an Indian or a Jew unless they're bleed by Ben Kingsley and no one respects a fat man unless he's played by John Goodman 
Ashtis, um, um, played Robin Williams. By uh, shut up, Joe. Uh, maybe uh, uh, the flip Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. not good. No, uh, all the members excuse, of Monty Python. Excuse me, excuse me. These the are room. all men, men playing women. So no one respects a man. Wait, no one respects a woman unless it's a man playing a woman. Wait, what about Ethel? They, they were really good, I thought. Yeah, okay, you guys. Ethel you know what? Just, Robin. Yeah. Shh, just forget it. A one, two. Oh, one, two, three, four. And no one respects a slave unless it's played by Morgan Freeman. And no one respects a Nazi unless it's played by Ray Fiennes. And no one respects a queer unless it's played by Tom Hanks. And no one respects one on the Lord Roger without it's played by Ben Kingsley. And no one respects a Batman unless it's played by John Goodman. And no one respects a Richard unless it's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Respects a woman ever. So just, you know. And no one respects an Indian or a Jew unless they're played by Ben Kingsley. Unless they're played by Ben Kingsley. Unless they're played by Ben Kingsley. He We have to ask. It's a standard question. Did you t- have to take piano lessons at any point in your childhood? I did. I was forced for two years. Um, Why didn't anybody force me to take piano and, lessons? And did you? Did you? Everybody like... was forced to take piano lessons at a young age. Why? Where were my parents in the the piano lessons forced? I don't know, but you. I, I don't know. I don't know. But my parents. My mom said, and my parents had this really kind of like long time strict rule in general and it came came it came out in other ways later in life but um you always have to do something for two years before you can decide you're going to quit it and piano lessons was the first of those i guess experiences for me and even though i got about you know maybe half a year in and i was like i don't like it it's boring i don't want to practice you know like whatever it was like it was the repetition and the and the forcing of learning something I guess I I don't learn I don't like to learn the way other people like to learn and I, if I could go back in time and uh, or if I could like in, like people often ask me they're like should you know should I go to school for this or should I study that um, I'm just like just go do it terribly and and see how it goes and then get better from there don't 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 force yourself to sit down every day and do scales because I just don't think for me that that's a way that I, I ever learned in a, in a way that I grew. I, I always grow. And, and to this day, I still, when I'm doing a song or when I'm doing a show, um, I'm very haphazardly kind of jumping into something I'm going to do terribly wrong. And then, and then kind of learning from there. And I appreciate that so much more for me. Uh, structured learning isn't my, isn't my preferred learning method, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you can't see it from there, but I'm, I'm furiously nodding. 
because, <laughs> yes. you know, that was my same experience was uh, I just I was always bad in school. And then, you know, when I got a job in the real world and, and my career in web development, uh, it's good because I can just I've been able to free to like when I was starting out and I was sitting next to a graphic designer. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I'm going to learn that. And then they would give me more tasks that the graphic designer did. And then as I got bored of that, I started looking to my left and I'd see there were developers and be like, oh, I want to learn exactly. that. And then exactly. and you saw me when I was coming into the open mic world and really just letting it be like, I'm trying this. That's and that right. y- you were part of the scene that was so nurturing and like, you know what? You're you're being emotionally honest and you're you know, you're out there feeling it. And, and we're here to encourage that. I, I feel like the, the uh, just, you know, reflecting back on what you just said, um, I feel like saying weak shit. Um, it, it belittles um, the the very most beautiful moment of of the seed being planted and um, that that most uh, difficult first um, pushing through the seed the sprouts coming the you know not really seeing light yet um, the dirt falling all over you you know like basically the literally the shit if you if we're gonna use this as a metaphor we're gonna keep going um, with this, this. <laughs> the shit getting in and uh, <laughs> but you need that shit because you're a plant you need the shit you need the shit you need the you need the you need the uh, uncomfortableness the you need the you need the wanting to break out you need the wanting to see light you need the wanting to um, experience other uh, things like you around you um, to even know what to do it's just sort of like this this uncomfortable and maybe all uh, terrible in a way but necessary way to uh begin a real uh metamorphosis and growth and you know eventual enlightenment and becoming of like whatever it is you're gonna do or or not gonna do or you're gonna you know you know you're going to die at the end of the season and your shit's going to fly everywhere and you're going to regrow the next time in some other different way. Like you were saying, like, you know, you, you came, you've grown in so many different uh, methods and places and types of, um, uh, you know, different creative outlets. Um, You know, you, you're scattered. And I think the scattering is, is the way that I like to also work, you know, like, um, yes, I can say I'm musical theater, but I can also say uh, I do get distracted easily and I do look over there and I see a shiny object and I'm like, hey, um, what's that new technology that I've never seen and I don't, don't know how to use? Oh, MIDI? Oh, I, I still can't even tell you <laughs> like how I use MIDI, but I can use it, you know, like I don't understand what I'm doing, but I think for me, it's more interesting, and I do. I hope that I'm doing some. I, um, I've heard it called outsider music often. Um, you know, kind of using instruments and voices and technology and whatever. Thank you.
I don't have enough feeling So I can just stop caring Get it fixed instead of healing I wanna be a robot So I can see my memory and relive every moment But never need a therapy Your weaknesses disgust me If I could process pity I would destroy the city Cause then I would be just like you And I would do the things that human beings do Robots have only answers Your phone is sleek and smart It knows your every move Cause you two can't live apart Where would you?
thought is overrated. Free thought is overrated. Free thought is overrated. Free thought is overrated. Free thought is over. Where I wanted to um, go next with you is when the genesis of of what i've seen killy dwyer on stage which to me the quintessential parts of it i mean there's the humor obviously and the, the sort of the theatricality of how you perform but also you um from day one that i've seen you you know you're one of the first artists i saw using a looper and specifically using you would create loops just using vocals uh, i think um Wait, so, oh, looping, okay. So I went to Edinburgh, um, sorry, it's a little echoey in here, but, and I might lose you for a second, and if I do, I'll repeat. But um, I went to Edinburgh uh, the first time doing a show, Doing, I was in theater, and I was, I was the lead in a show uh, that toured to Edinburgh and they actually paid my way to go there, which was very nice. So I kind of had this like real freedom. I was in a show I didn't care about. It wasn't a great show, but I was really good in it. And I was in Edinburgh. And so I was in this festival atmosphere where I could go see like a ton of cutting edge, creative talent. And, uh, I saw Reggie Watts and I got, it was the green room. And, uh, at the time, uh, I remember the Trachtenbergs were there and uh, Jessica Delfino, and uh, I hate to say it, his name, I hate to say Touching You was there. Um, but, and I really didn't notice any of them except for the Trachtenbergs, I did notice. Um, well, you can take comfort in the fact Reggie. that no one outside of the New York mic scene, I think, know, well, here in Cleveland will know who Touching You is. <laughs> I do take so much comfort in that. <laughs> Cleveland, take comfort. You don't know who we're talking about when we say Touching You. I know. It's so good to forget, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I saw Reggie and he was kind of in his, uh, yeah, this, this was way pre, he's like a big deal now, but at the time he was just another guy at Edinburgh and he had a pretty good show. I mean, he, people could tell he was something special and I could tell he was something special and we got to like being friends and, you know, I would just, you know, I would do my show. My show was at like three o'clock in the afternoon at Edinburgh. So it was great. It was like perfect time because then the rest of the day into the night and all night, basically, I could go see a billion shows and hang out all night and, you know, party with everybody. And that's when I could party all night and uh, and still get up the next day and do, uh, you know, two hour show. Um, but I just like, connected with Reggie so deeply and, and just not, not just because of his, uh, the way that he's used vocal looping but because of the person that he is. I mean, he's just like this really, um, uh, you know, how do I do him justice with explanation? I mean, just a deep, um, kind, exciting, inviting, um, uh, he, he, he brings people in and into what he does and, and, and he does it with his voice and he does it with looping and, I always was like really terrible at instruments. I mean, like, like I said, piano for me kind of went pretty quickly. Well, two years, you know, got to get the two years in. Um, but 
you know, I wasn't great at instruments, but I was I was good at using my voice. And he was like, you can use your voice to uh, be an instrument. And and that just like blew. I like my mind literally exploded. Well, it didn't literally, but it felt like like this whole new world opened up. It wasn't even seeing him that opened that up. It was him saying it. He was like, you know that this is something that, like, people can do with their voices. And I, reflecting back, looking back at college, I was really into, like, the all-men's chorus, um, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, basically uh, Take Six. Have you ever heard of Take Six? No. No. Okay. Well, they're just all, an all vocal group. Um, I was always kind of attracted to that. And then he, but he put a, he didn't put a name to it. He just said, you can do that too. You know, um, barbershop quartets always, I was always kind of like, I hated kind of like the jokey dorkiness of it, but I loved the manipulation of voices to create like the whole, um, architecture of the songs. Uh, but anyway, he, he, you know, he kind of connected the dots for me in, in the way that, like, I never thought, like, in a million years that's something that I could do to create my own song. And I came back from there, and I, and I started pretty much immediately, um, you know, just making mistakes. And I bought a looper, and I, like, did it really terribly. But I did wrote, I wrote the gay song, I Turned You Gay. Um, which crazy enough, still, I can still play to this day, which feels like it should have been retired like 10 years ago, but, and yet here we are. No. Um, <laughs> and yet, and yet it's still, it, Mike Pence still hates that song. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny. I, and that was my, in like, uh, that was my, oh, what it, oh, and it has been called the, um, what is it? What is what, what is it called? Oh, there. Um, uh, oh, I'll, I'll think of it anyway. Um, of my catalog. Mike Pent. Or, I don't want to. No. I don't want to say who called it because then I have to say touching you stupid name again. <laughs> Craig says it's the free bird of my. Oh no, my Eleanor Rigby. That's what he always called it. My Eleanor Rigby of my songs. So, um, but yeah, I, I came up with the gay. The I turned you gay, and you know, I felt. So it never felt, nothing ever felt more right in every way, you know, not only because I started off trying to write a love song. I thought I'm going to write this love song. I, uh, you know, it, it starts off very much like a typical love song, you know? And then I just kept thinking like, Oh God, love songs are so like gay and they're so funny. They're so at that time, you know, thinking gay was funny, funny, gay, <laughs> equating the two things. Um, and it just, I don't know. It just made so much sense and it felt so right and so good. And, um, and that's boom. That's where, that's where I started looping. And I, I was like, I can't, even if I make mistakes, I like it because they're all part of the sort of, um, they become part of the, the soundscape of the song, no matter what. And mm -hmm. they're always, they always make the song different or the songs different in that I kind of hate electronic music and that, you know, it always sounds perfect and the same. And, you know, people are seeing, you know, these uh, electronic voices and everything is um, auto-tuned. But when I do my looping, I hope to kind of have the mistakes in there and 
everything sort of comes back around every time to that little mistake I made and then maybe another little mistake that I made. And then it becomes this um, sort of acoustic electronic experience rather than some kind of, uh, you know, boring-ass, auto-tuned, uh, garage band, you know, bullshit piece that just has um, really nothing to it. So the mistakes for me, I think, uh, I don't know where we're going with this, but coming back to <laughs> everything. Well, so you... I think the mis- mistakes are an important part of my music. So I feel like that's something I, I like to say. Yeah. So do we skip right over... Uh, you met? Did you meet Craig in college? I did not. I, make, I met Craig 15 years ago. We were at uh, a friend's party. Um, and he was uh Oh, so I thought, I thought it was Craig that you wanted to turn gay. I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> he he just yelled too late. So, um, but you missed it. You can't hear. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, but it it was sort of like a song that I, you know, because everyone, you know, for the most part, uh, our lexicon, our it's all pretty much love songs. I'm not all, but you know, it is the the great uh, bringer together of all songs, or most songs anyway. Love or how we find it, or how we fall in it. And I think I was just sort of, maybe I was kind of writing a song about us, but then it just turned into this, like, I was like, I can't, can't be, I can't be serious. Like, I was like, I can't be serious about this. Like, it just doesn't seem serious. And it just, it just dawned on me into the song to be funny about it and, or to turn it into that. And um, it was kind of, a thing at the time and still actually, you know, some people still believe, like I said, some people still believe that that is a thing that can happen. And I was like, well, what if I want to say something bigger than, you know, what if I want it to be a love song? Yes. But something kind of bigger than a love song or something with an extra message or an M night Shyamalan moment, you know? <laughs> and I, th- and I still, and <laughs> even though, I'm like, I'm hesitant to compare myself to M. Night Shyamalan now a days. Uh, I think, like, there is there's that element of when I'm writing a song, like, I want there to be a big, you know, a big reveal or a big, you know, twist or, like, you know, and that was my first big twist, you know. So uh, I think it's kind of influenced most of my work throughout, you know, Although everything I, every day I'm like, this sounds completely different than what I was doing a month and a half ago or three months ago or a year ago. Um, there's still this kind of, you know, need to um, give the element of surprise or keep the element of surprise there, you know. And maybe that's the comedian in me because surprise, uh, they say that laughter comes from surprise. No matter where it comes from, it comes from some moment of surprise, you know, or or a, a moment of, of uh, connecting and in, in this realization that we're all we all have the same experience. But and hey, if you can do both at the same time, you, you know that's that's where it's at. Chug it, chug it, 
the train to arrive A sigh and a smile and a look in your eyes We sit and I tell you a joke And you laugh and you smile and we sit and we smoke And talk about the good old times When pennies were nickels and nickels were dimes We tried to act like the end never came But I really couldn't get you out of my brain And I used to love you And you used to love me And we didn't anymore So we sat each other free And it was strange How I ran into you today On the other side of the world And you told me I turned you gay Well, I'm gay? I, I turned you gay? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's like a science-y thing I can't turn you gay Oh, oh I turned you gay, 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 gay. You said I had turned you gay when I peed on you in our shower. When I picked off your scab and I ate it. When I pooped on our scale and I weighed it. You said I had turned you gay. When I pulled my tampon out and I threw it at you, I hadn't shaved for eight years. And I had a jar of wax that I collected from my two ears. From my two ear, two ear, two ear, two ear, two ear, You said I had turned you gay when I beat you up in front of your friends. What? I wouldn't wear underwear. I would only wear depends. Well, that depends. That depends. That depends. I that depends. Used to love you, and you used to love me. Then we didn't that anymore. So we set each other free like birds, and it was strange how we ran into you today on the other side of the world. And you told me I turned you gay. I've got a superpower. I turned you gay. So I put you on the train, and I said that I hoped that we could remain friends. But you just frowned and looked down at my depends. You got on the train, you waved goodbye. I took my jar of earwax out of my bag and let it fly at your eye. Goodbye, 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 yelling at me for where I'm putting my you, snacks well, now, You too. set the, the nuts right in front of the microphone on the table, and then I'm going to hear this knuckle crunch every time. Wait, you put... Wait, <laughs> Brian, you put, your, you put your nuts on the microphone? I wait, put my what? nuts on the yes. microphone. Brian doesn't approve. No, Deb put my nuts on the microphone. Actually, they're your friend's nuts. Yeah, they're actually... They're Isla's nuts. She left them here yesterday. Well, you know, that, those are now your nuts. Those are you own those. I believe that I'm just gonna like, put them in my mouth. It's like nine nine tenths of a nut law is like you know if you if they leave them and you have them in your possession for at least one day they're your nuts. So. They are. 
I, I'm way behind on my nut law. <laughs> There's we don't whole... need to bring nut law into this. This episode is actually brought to you by Skillshare, who has an incredible nut law uh, set of courses that you can learn from Skillshare. Just... Uh... <laughs> Learn about your nuts. I'm trying the thing where I just go ahead and decide that someone's sponsoring me and then hope they catch the show and then give me money. Oh, I love that. No, I I agree with that uh, fully. I think that, um, you know, uh, build it and they will come. So what what was your entry point into New York? So I went to college for these three years and then I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, what am I, I don't care about opera and I don't think I should be in college really I'm kind of doing drugs I'm kind of on this I definitely had gone into this um uh you know more deep knowledge that I was probably something was mentally definitely off with me I hadn't fully been diagnosed but I was uh, which the drugs off obviously didn't. The psychedelic drugs did not help that situation. Um, but I was kind of finding that I just wasn't, I didn't want to be wasting my parents' money in college, and I'd kind of gotten what I needed out of it. And I was like, well, I'm going to go live uh, live a year on my own and see where I'm at. So I went to, I uh, actually went down to Columbus, who had, they had a pretty good uh, scene going down there. But mostly I just went down there to fuck around, and I had uh um, friends with uh, beautiful property, um, like a, a camping property down there. So we would go, you know, three or four days a week of camping. And I just would go out into the you know woods and trip out. And, you know, I kind of did that sign myself year. And uh, about, yeah, about a, about a half year, almost a year in, I, uh, I had sex with a guy on my bathroom floor who's a friend of mine. And I got pregnant, but I didn't know I was pregnant, but I also was like, Hmm, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Maybe I should go to New York. Uh, it seems like there's shit going on there that I would really like. And I really need to get out of Ohio. You know, I really need to get out of here. I need to go to a bigger place where there's more people and there's something outside of this life that I've built for myself that my family has made so comfortable for me. I did have, you know, reasonably kind of cushy upbringing. And so I applied to college. I, I applied to uh, AMDA, which is the American Music and uh, Dramatic Academy here in New York City. And I literally was accepted to AMDA and found out I was pregnant on the same day. And I was like, I have a choice to make, I guess. <laughs> like, here we go. Like, this is it. You know, I mean, either can I can have this, this guy's baby that, you know, we're friends and, um, I don't know, maybe something can come of that. Uh, I don't really think I should be a mom. I'm not really stable and I'm, I really, you know, don't know who I am or what I want in life or I can go to New York and I can find myself. And I obviously made a decision and that was, um, that was that I came here and it was kind of, kind of a, a big road, road diverged in the woods. And I, <laughs> I don't know the other, the random path. You and took your road. To, I took my road, yeah, and uh, it sticks out to me because, like, often I'll, like, be like, well, let's see, it's been 20-something years, and, like, what have I done, and where have I, who have I become, and did I make the right choice, and I still kind of reflect back on that choice because it's, it's a huge one to make, no matter, you know, what you believe, choice, and um, I obviously believe I'm huge in pro-choice and everything, but I also do believe that 
um, you do reflect on the choices you make. And that was a big one for me, obviously. And I really think I probably made the right choice because I still don't want kids. (laughs) And I still think I'm on the right path. I don't like the path kind of is like ridiculously um, insane most of the time and hard and troublesome and not all that rewarding. But I'm, I'm guess I think I'm where I should be. And I think that I just talked to Craig about this the other day that like, you know, we were just talking about um, alternate timelines and alternate universes and um, how I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I think, that's the beauty of whatever time is a flat circle and we're all just kind of going around. Hopefully there's another life where that happened and I'd be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall just to check it out, but I'm really happy with where I'm at. And I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Actually. It's a, it's a complicated issue, but I think, um, well, I just I asked, I just of- asked how you got to New York. <laughs> oh, in a, oh, in a car. I got to the. Oh, I'm sorry, in a car. <laughs> <laughs> you get in a cab, and when Killy gets in a cab in New York, and the, and, the, and, the, and the cab, he's like, "Where do you need to go?" It's like, well, it's that's the real question I'm trying to figure out for myself because uh, is my music the most important thing? Is it comedy? Is it connecting with people? Is it family? Is it experience? Where do I want I to know. go? <laughs> yeah and my it's funny because my parents drove me to new york to like you know of course they were only i knew that the only way they would let me go to new york is like, if i went to another school and i was sort of that kind of like soft um place for me to fall in a sense even though it was new york and it was like kind it of gives big... you cover for going there yeah other... yeah and they were like okay so you 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 know, so I knew that if I went to school, you know, it's kind of like a hoax. And I literally did not want to go to school in New York. I just wanted to go to New York. I was like, the only way they're going to, like, let me do this is if I at least stayed the, you know, <laughs> um, uh, ex- excitement about some kind of school that I'm going to. So I did. I feigned. And they, uh, they drove me here. And it was 1994. And there was a huge garbage strike. And I just remember driving into New York City with my mom and dad in the back seat with, like, all my shit, you know, and my, like, trunk full of, like, whatever, my childhood memories. And it's just, just like, they we pull up in front of the building, the Ansonia was where it was going to, uh, my dorms were, and it was just this piles of garbage just everywhere. And I was, like, loading out my childhood stuff. Welcome to like, New yep. York. Hello and welcome. And this is the next some like I I didn't think I'd still be here now, but uh, that was twenty five, you know, a long time ago. And uh, and I'm still here. And um, I I did a year of AMDA, and then I got kicked out. <laughs> kicked out. Yeah, I kind of got kicked out. I was kind of having like a mental breakdown and. You know, it was using drugs as a way to kind of, well, just psychedelics, you know, nothing. I wasn't like, you yeah. know, mainlining heroin or anything. So I was definitely using psychedelics as a way to kind of like find my, you know, artistic, or, or at least that I was thinking at the time, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm listening to my voices. And really, I was just like, it, it, you know, enhancing 
and uh, microphoning, amplifying these these voices that maybe didn't need such a big microphone in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed that to, um, well, to get here, number one, to get through that first year. And then, uh, then I moved in with uh, a bunch of people I met from AMDA into a little place in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. $1,000 for a four-bedroom apartment, mind you. $1,000 for a four-bedroom apartment in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. What? Um, and I kind of had my fine, you know, another fine myself time there where I was like, you know, discovering who I was and coming to terms with, um, you know, I definitely was diagnosed then with bi- being bipolar <coughs> Uh, and um, kind of starting to, uh, you know, maybe I I started to realize that it was just, you know, I turned my back on it many times after, but I think that was the first time that I really was like, oh, you know, this gets me kicked out of school and this gets me uh, in trouble and make, I make a lot of bad decisions, but I also make all this really great, you know, art. And I was writing all these plays and I was like, you know, creating puppets and painting my walls. And I was like, wow, I'm brilliant. And I was like, yes, maybe. But also I'm, I was, I was pretty sick, you know, at the time Mm -hmm. and still am, but I'm medicated and, um, have tools now. Um, but I was in this, um, you know, and I have to say, I'm um, as a side note on the interview, I am definitely going through a manic phase right now. So I think, hearing this interview back whenever it is that I tend to listen to it or even for you, I feel like you're hearing this kind of amplified situation that's going on for me. I haven't gone through a manic phase in a while. And, um, it's been a, it's, I'm like, I'm like back on the roller coaster. I haven't been here in a while. So it's exciting and scary and weird to do an interview when I feel like this, you know, how, um, I'm (laughs) I'm curious if you were in, the other phase, how do you, how would that manifest in terms of how you'd be, we'd be relating right now? Oh, I probably would have canceled. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be, it, this wouldn't be happening. I would just be like, I can't, you know, I can't do it. And I actually thought of canceling just because I was like, oh, I know how I'm going to be. I'm going to talk really fast. I'm going to say too much. I'm going to go too fast. I'm going to go too far. I'm going to go off on tangents. And I'm like, I oh, don't, no, you know. I can't hide. I mean, this is who I am as an artist, too. You know, like this, you know, if you can't love me at my most manic, um, then you probably never had much interest in me to begin with.
post-traumatic stress Have several personalities and rage that I suppress Don't attack me with your happiness I want you all to suffer for my art Don't rape me with your blood I think depressants are just another kind of song At your boyfriend reunion to raw fuck to shake your hand I'm an alcoholic drug addicted still my biggest fan I'm a schizophrenic psychopath might kill you in your sleep I'm a queen I'm an emotional terrorist What can I say? I've got showbiz in my jeans In my jeans, bitches, come on! distracts me from it. Um, yeah, I was distracts me from it was. I'm. Uh, Don't distract me with your happiness. I want you all to suffer for my own. Don't break me with your blood. I'm depressing. I'm just another kind of sad. <laughs> thing i see on your patreon you have a lot of different tiers um i hope to one day get to the level 1000 so you can put a bz on your ass and get that tattoo <laughs> that would be amazing that's your that um, one thousand dollars a month on killy's patreon you she will tattoo your initials on her ass oh i will i will we have to aspire uh, to making that much money yes interesting that you well just to just to kind of touch on on it a, a little bit about having people um you know donate to or not donate but um be patrons i don't i don't consider it a donation i consider it a payment uh for a work that i that i put out um but uh i, I just got a hundred dollar patron yesterday um and that is a huge deal obviously wow. um uh, yeah, and it's it's a guy I met in uh, Frigid Festival this year, um, which was a it was a big year I think for me in kind of kind of putting together uh, everything that I do in a show that I feel uh, kind of really reflects like the artist that I am. Um, and he saw the show and he was actually he had a show in the Frigid and he is a 
recovering um, cancer. Uh, he, he almost died uh, and is right now in remission, but he's basically going around doing a show called um, uh, Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, But Banjos Saved My Life, which I think you'll really like. Uh, busy. Um, and that, uh, the show, his show just was, you know, just, it it was basically a life story, uh, of how he, you know, uh, you know, was this, uh, he was a big money banker type, you know, uh, making shit tons of cash, just, uh, you know, the stress and the, the big time and, and, um, and he got really, really, really sick and, was dying and he's like, what, what am I, what do I want to do? And what, what do I care about? And he always banjos had kind of like come into his life periodically. Like he kind of started, had collected, been collecting them for a time, but he didn't really, he played, but he didn't really play. And, you know, if you can't really play the banjo, I mean, it's not like guitar. It's like, if you can't play the guitar, you can still kind of play it. But if you play the banjo and you can't play it, it, it just sounds like shit, you know? And uh, and he he decided he was going to really dig in and, and take lessons and make that part of his, um, you know, uh, recovery process and to kind of get him in through and, and to hopefully either save his life or be the be what how he went out, you know, appreciating and loving banjo. And he he came out sort of is is, you know, whatever you would call remission. Um, and he now tours the show, um, basically with four banjos on stage and he tells the story of his life and he plays the banjo throughout and he gets better and better throughout the show. And uh, it's just a really touching show. And he's a really, really prolific and profound, uh, like a philosophy, his philosophy of life and, uh, and his, and what he came from uh, and being a big money-making kind of, you know, uh, hustle kind of guy into this, like now he goes from fringe to fringe and finds uh, artists that he loves and basically helps them, you know, and, and then does his, also does his show. Um, it, it, I, I was just blown away, first of all, by the, by him backing my Patreon. And I, and I sent him a message today and I said, you know, you were the inspiration to me and I, I'm really just by blown away by your support. And I don't really, there's times when I just don't feel worthy of, uh, of being paid, even though I know what I do is hard work and that I, I believe in what I, that what I do is work and it's talent and it, it, it deserves to have an audience. And he wrote, you know, he wrote me back in the way that only, someone like him with the experience I think that someone like him can have and that he just over and over just kept said you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you you changed my life um your work changed my life you know he he basically turned it into being you know making me feel good about myself and uh and making me feel like I want to do him right and like I want to make him proud and like I want him to open up his patron uh, email and see something that he loves because and, and he's putting money towards that. Like I'm not, I think, you know, success is, um, you know, I know you asked this question. I think I'm jumping the gun on it. 
BZ, but we I saw this on you know Facebook the other day is that how do you define success? And I think like I redefine success all the time. And and for me, um, I've redefined it many, 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 many times. I think success for me is is being able to roll with whatever uh, place I'm in, whatever headspace I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, whatever art form I'm trying, whatever uh, people I'm around. Um, if I can create something that makes one person um, feel the way that I think that he felt when he saw me, it just, it feels, it feels like, I, I mean, I'm, I could die happy in a way, you know, I mean, I could like, you know, I, I don't know what else I know I should want more or, or be more or have more, I guess, monetarily or financially or audience wise. But when it, you find someone like him who's been through so much and seen like really like lived on the edge of death and it's such a horrible situation and he feels better because he came into contact with me um and saw saw my work um i feel really i was like i I cried like i cried like like off and on all day over it you know just like i couldn't believe it first of all the money yes i appreciate it but all but the it was the um you are worthy those those words over and over that he 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 he, he, te- he texted that over and over like you know like you're worthy or worthy it just made me feel you just don't know who mm-hmm. who whose life you're changing and i'm not saying even this about my work i'm saying about like what what you say to someone during your day or what you do who's who who you help down the stairs who you um talk to on the street what story you get from someone whose eyes you help, you know, dry when they're crying, whose shoulder you are to, you know, that's success. And that's, that's the stuff that makes me feel really like I'm doing something right. You know, I don't know. I have no real plan. (laughs) I mean, I think I have no idea what, like what I'm supposed to be doing, what my 10 years, what my five years, what my year is. But if tomorrow or today or next week, someone can, I can help someone or, and and I feel this about artists, especially if I can help an artist or, you know, guide someone, or if they ask me a question, if I can give them some advice or if I can, you know, send them in the right direction or, uh, you know, uh, you know, even give them money. You know, I, I, paying paying everyone I work with is a huge part of my platform. That's practically why I have Patreon so I can actually pay the people I work with so that they get paid, you know, um, that's success, you know, giving, giving other people opportunity, giving other people hope or, you know, something to think, something to think about other than, you know, their own, problem for the moment or an escape for a second but maybe also that M. Night Shyamalan ending where they're like what I had never saw that coming
GPS, bitch, find your own way. I'm not your fucking GPS, bitch, find your own way. I'm not your fucking GPS, bitch, find your own way. I'm not your fucking GPS, bitch, find your own way. You got me crazy. What's up in that some direction, babe? into the open mic scene and i'm curious what it was like to be straddling um the line between music and comedy and new york is a bit different from cleveland because they don't have um it's not a very mixed mic scene it's uh uh, music mics and comedy mics but in new york everyone expects you know it's not a weird thing to see both there were some mics that were like this is a music room but i don't think a lot of them were like no comics it was more like oh it's more it's not a room for comics yeah well i guess when i came here i mean obviously i went to school for a year went kind of off into like the theater world for a bit you know i was i was a i got an agent um uh i was waiting tables at this place uh, in, I think it was Midtown. I got fired from like every restaurant in New York city and not, not for nothing, but none of those restaurants are here, but I'm still here. So I mean, I don't know who wins, but I, I'm pretty sure it's me. You hear that? Um, you win, you win. <laughs> I win. But I, um, I was waiting on a table and, uh, and I, you know, I was just, you know, being me. Um, and the woman at the table at the end, she was getting her check. She said, you know, I'm a, I'm a casting agent, and I, um, I'd love to bring you in tomorrow. I have something I think you'd be right for. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I was totally thinking she was theater. You know, I, I never even considered on-camera work because I, I feel like, you know, I'm just an artist. I'm an artist. Oh, you know. And she's like, no, no, I'm on camera. It's commercial. And I was like, oh, okay. So I rolled I rolled up in there the next day. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Oh, Susan Shopmaker. Sorry. That's her name. And I rolled up to her place, 
and I had this, <laughs> you know, I had no idea what I was doing at all. I had like this uh, crazy long um, green plaid dress on. It just, just it really inappropriately dressed, <laughs> and just. Anyway, she brings me in. I do. She asks me to slate for the camera, which I did not know what that meant. She, you know, she explained that to say your name and turn left and then turn right. And I did that. And then she's like, read the sides. And I read them. And I was like, well, I guess that's that. And went home. And uh, she called me that night. And she said, you, you have a call back. We want you to come in tomorrow. And I wore the same crazy-ass green dress the next day. And uh, I booked it. It was a commercial for Scotch Tape. Uh, and I went on this crazy, weird path that I I really worked a lot on TV for about five years. Like, I did about, I did about 10, 10 commercials and made a ton of money. Um, all by just falling into it. I fell in. She, she, she took care of everything. She, I got the commercial. So she's like, well, you're going to need an agent to you know, negotiate your contract. And I was like, well, I don't have one. And I don't even know what you're talking about. So she hooked me up with Cunningham Escott Dupini, which is CESD, which is a big agency here. And she uh, sent me into them and they were like, you know, you're weird, but okay. But we need weird. Weird is good. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, I went to this kind of off period where I was just waiting tables and not even really, I was just doing a lot of commercial work and making like so so much money that I didn't really need to do anything else, you know? And, uh, so I kind of just, I went into TV land for a while and then I, I missed art, you know, I missed it. And I, I was happy, you know, I was, I was, was the, making money. the TV stuff like really in a, just like, do you get sort of pigeonholed into being in just commercial work and it doesn't really elevate beyond that unless you put on a whole other hustle? I, you know, I, I still am bad at hustling. I still am a bad hustler and I think that I probably could have turned that into, and I can't, I think, I know I, I did an audition for 30 Rock. You know, I mean, I, I came pretty close to a few big things. You know, I know that looking back um, <laughs> on my life, I'm like, oh, shit. I think I was really close to being, you know, having like a TV, um, basically, you know, an, an acting career, you know. Um, and I and I would just, I wasn't it just, didn't call to me enough to like really do that kind of hustle. I, a lot of people around me were pushing for it and, and, you know, my agents, some, some friends that I made in the industry, they knew that I had some kind of something on camera, you know, but I never, I think I just, I don't know. I, I wish, I, I think I wish a little bit now I would have hustled harder at it. I think, but I didn't. And so there must there must be a reason. And then, and then the reason, I think, was that I fell into pennies. Uh, I was also hosting my own open mic uh, during this time when I was um, uh, I had this all this TV stuff going on. And uh, it was called Bam Bam Slam. And it was uh, a televised open mic, not televised, but it was mon- it was being monetized 
Uh, it was one of the first internet kind of situations where they were trying to take performers, give them their videos, and put them on a site, a website. It was almost, it was before Facebook, it was before really MySpace, really even. I mean, it was, MySpace existed, I guess. But it was like a place for performers, mostly comedians, to uh, get videos of their performances, but it was all put on this website, and I was the host. Okay. Um, So I was giving a lot of people opportunities, you know, to not, this was back when you couldn't tape your set, you know, there was no phone to take, you couldn't put it on your iPhone, you know. Now, had you been going to open mics prior to this? No, I, this was just another thing I fell into. This guy, you know, he, you know, basically I answered an ad and he needed a host and, um, I, you know, he was this crazy guy, Cliff Schwartz, man. He was such a crazy nutcase. But he had a shit ton of money, and he thought that he could, you know, be the next sensation. His his uh, Bam Bam Slam was going to be, you know, the the YouTube, the next YouTube, you know, kind of the bigger YouTube with, with performers. Because YouTube at the time was like, wasn't even like a big deal. Like, was you know, when it, was funnier and die and, and, um, channel one, channel one one around at this point. Not even, not oh. even really. No. Yeah. This was like, he was pretty, I gotta say he was very forward, forward thinking guy. He just was a maniac and, um, and he put me in charge, you know, like, like two problematic areas for him. Um, but I brought in a lot of talent and I knew a lot of people and I had a sketch comedy group at the time. And I was an improv at the time. I mean, there's so much stuff I'm skipping over because I'm just like, I've done so much work. But I did a lot of improv and I was actually being paid for improv um, during that time as well. I did uh, this thing called Joey. And I feel like this is, you know, I'm being like really, um, I'm skipping around a lot. But um, I did this thing called Joey and Mary's Irish Italian Comedy Wedding for a while. And uh, I got paid pretty good money to like go pretend I was at a wedding like twice a weekend. I just drink. I was the sister of the bride. Um, I, I did eight is never enough. It was called. It was in Times Square. We were an improv troupe in Times Square. We got paid to do that. Now improv doesn't make nobody makes money in improv now. Like I I used to actually get paid to do that shit. I feel like everything I've ever done, I kind of I have to admit, I sort of either accidentally stumbled into or my personality i guess um you know sucked me in they they were sucked in by my personality and thought i could do whatever it was that they wanted me to do and then i then i would do that for a while and improv was the easiest thing in the world for me you know still is like Mm -hmm. I, i improv on stage you know you know me you know um so much of my sets uh, whether it be music or or comedy or or whatever it is in between, I'm improvising. Um, I, I just it was a natural. It was just part of my. It was like another appendage for me, you know. And it was it was the easiest thing in the world. I didn't think twice about it. I didn't think it was. I didn't think I was doing anything that now. Like I had no idea that it would become what it is today. I had no idea that like it would be this big thing. Um, because it was just this thing that I was doing that people were paying me to do. And we had a great job. We had a great uh, gig in time, like I said, in Times Square, like good audiences. Um, 
and you know it just i think it i think improv what it does is it makes you able obviously to cope with any situation you're kind of put in and you know i mean if there was another like i do say i'm a musical theater person but if there was another i guess here you could put me under it would be improv you know um mm. because i feel so comfortable when it things well i don't feel comfortable when things don't go right but i feel uh like that's my wheelhouse <laughs> like when things aren't going the way we expected that's that's whatever that is whatever space that is that's where i do my best work since 1959 the west end of kingston jamaica has throbbed with a musical beat a hypnotic sound of surging excitement and power people hearing it became caught up in a frenzy. i couldn't help moving to this pulsating almost religious No need to feel no shame, his story is to blame. You say you never came, you think your lady parts are lame. The glitteress is the only human organ designed purely for your pleasure. Four inches of clit inside your body, a tiny penis that you can measure. That glitteress is so special and unique. 20,000 nerve endings, it's not the place you be. But it's real close by. Like a tiny buzzer, ring your bell a bit, and soon you will discover that God wants you to come. God wants you to come. God wants you to come. I said, God wants you to Thanks, gang, diddle your fiddle It's the Grand Ole Opry Pick your lima bean Roll, roll your boat Make your flower grow Grab that gift, untie that bow Because God wants you to come God wants you to come God wants you to come I said God wants you you to come. God, God wants you to come. 
create, just there to stimulate. Toot, 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 on that hooded fish whistle. She's the star of the show, if you're in the know. It's about the sweet fat and not about the holy cause God wants you to come. God wants you to come. God wants you to come. God wants you So what is your live circuit looking like these days? Are you still, do you still pop in at mics on, on a regular? Well, um, uh, no, it's interesting. I, I've been thinking about like, oh, maybe what should I do? My, I think the way that I've, I've grown is, um, or moved on or pushed forward or whatever you want to call it is, is by, um, creating, theater pieces that um, I know are not only uh, my experience or shared experiences or uh, they are music, they are theater, they are uh, physical uh, comedy, they are comedy, they're stand-up, they're storytelling, but there's something that every single person in the room at, at some point relate to. Um, and they're an improv uh, and audience participation, of course. All of those things now that I've I've worked so long and hard and and you know um, honed those skills. I think they've all just kind of gone in this natural progression to um, my one woman shows. Um, and this one uh, for the frigid this year was I think my first. Well, it's not my first. I mean, I've done uh, three solo shows and you know two ensemble shows that I wrote. But this one, I think, felt the most authentic, and uh, I, I think I was touching on something I really wanted to say, uh, an experience that people, everyone, everyone has, and that's um, sleep deprivation, uh, issues with sleep, insomnia, um, you know, being, being torn away from uh, the... Uh, I guess one time you have in your day to truly uh, let go. Um, that for me is as sleep. And um, I wrote a sh- the show this year about um, it's called Sleep Depraved, and it had all of those things in it. Um, you know, music, original music, all original music looping. Um, video with uh, Craig. He helped me with all the video stuff. Um, my husband, you're just jo- just tuning in. Uh, he's a yeah. There are amazing... some, I have some really weird listeners who like to download the episode and then just jump to a random point in the middle of it. Like this. <laughs> so it is good to just remind people in case you're just joining us, you psychopaths. <laughs> just joining um, us now. <laughs> My husband, Craig, is an amazing, uh, he does amazing video work. Uh, he does all, he's done all of my uh, music videos, all of my projection work that I've done throughout the years. Projection is a big deal for me. I think it takes everything to the next logical level of um, creating um, a world that people can be a part of. Um, 
you know, and this, this show, it, and though it was, I did it for the Frigid Festival, and I just have to mention Horse Trade Theater Company, which is now Frigid. Um, they and this festival has become a place where, yes, I experienced the open mic there in their theater. Um, that was what kind of really made me start honing my own real voice. But uh, I, and I've grown up, you know, I've basically grown up in Horse Trade Theater. I've grown up in the Frigid Festival. And this was maybe my best or most, uh, it most this show most represents who I think I am as an artist, which, I mean, hopefully at this point it, it is and it should if I'm working this hard and this is where I'm at. It was, it was a very difficult process and it, it was... Um, uh, it, I fought every step of the way myself and my uh, ta- uh, writing a show about what is maybe the hardest thing for me to do. And that is sleep. It's, it's just uh, anxiety and um, all the things that go into laying down and closing my eyes and trying to rest at night. Uh, being bipolar sleep is, is a symptom that I don't get. It's not an easy road for me. And uh, I found, and through studying for the show and through doing a lot of research uh, and just knowing and, and reaching out to people, it's it's something every single person has struggled with. There's nobody, there's 70 million people <laughs> who have trouble sleeping reasonably often, you know. Um, that's not a small number. And I wanted to do something that, I feel like maybe hasn't, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of shows about sleep because mm. I think it, it lends itself to, um, there's not a lot of action involved. Right. It, it does lend itself to like going, Oh, that's going to be a real snooze fest or, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh hey, you hey. actually, you need, you need someone to say that so you can put that quote on the poster. Oh, I like the sleeper hit of the year. Ah, um, yes. <laughs> but it's true. It's like it's like something that I I knew was a, an issue for people, but I didn't realize until I was doing the show and working really hard on it and trying to find interesting ways to talk about sleep issues uh, that. I, I I figured that I had something I was I was connecting in on and dream dreaming is an obvious next step and um, this show has a very disturbing and terrifying ending for me that was um, you know as a, as a I guess dark comedic performer I stay dark until I have to like leave people smiling as they walk out of the theater and I didn't feel so much that way this time I felt like I wanted to leave them with like a real truthful honest and maybe terrifying uh exit you know and so I let go of a, let go of a lot of those uh those things that I feel like I need to give my audiences and uh Lindsay Hope Perlman directed the show um, that was a new thing for me. I'm not really, I haven't really opened myself up to direction by another person uh, for my solo work before. And, and that was a interesting 
uh, experience. It was not extremely comfortable for me. Um, I still don't know how I feel. I know that it did produce something I think that was bigger and possibly better than what I could have given had I not had it. So I was happy to have that. And Mike Malazzo did um, come in as uh, um, he basically gave me some direction, not full direction on music, but helped me with uh, musical direction. I did a, 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 sh- a song with him called um, Exercise Your Demons, which was about um, the exorcist. That was my first terrible experience about uh, with sleep when I was a kid is I accidentally saw it when I was way too young to see it. Oh, that movie, I saw that young too, and that movie kept me up. I would look down it, at my feet and kept waiting to see Reagan's head pop up between my yeah, legs. Exactly. I, I kept thinking if I was going to get in my bed, I was going to be possessed by the devil because I was Catholic, and I was like, this is it. The devil's going to get me. And um, so I wrote this song called Exercise Your Demons, and I wrote, and Mike Malazzo wrote the music for it, and it, I actually, I'll send it to you so you can put it in, um, maybe now, whatever. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very musical theatery, and, but sort of rock and roll, and I have, uh, had great projection, um, behind it of the movie, and Craig did great work with that, and I'm, like, on a bed, like, Screaming with my, you know, like, like hands, like in a cross. And it, it just really was a great moment in the theater for me, you know, to, to reenact sort of that experience as a child, like not being able to sleep and realizing that, or not, not, not realizing, but I guess now realizing that that was the first um, terrifying experience that going to bed for me was, was really hard, you know. And uh, whether I associated myself with that or whether that associated myself with, uh, you know, the the terror of going to sleep, they somehow intertwined. And all these years later, it just sort of spoke to me in the song, I think, is, is really great. My babysitter, a TV and phone We were supposed to be in bed Instead we watch a new cable TV Yes, it was that long ago I'm not quite as young as I seem Wait, stop surfing, what's that there? A girl like me tied to a bed in the air She's fucking possessed by Satan himself She just vomited and pissed on herself Yes. 
focused on herself. Wait, turn it back. What's happening now? Some statue I think was involved somehow. But the devil got her when she went to bed. Threw a priest out the window. And now he is dead. on myself I should have been asleep oh why did I look I'll never sleep again it's the chance that I took the devil will get me when I go to bed should have listened to my parents and done what they said next time I'll listen to my parents and do what they say next time I'll listen to my parents and do what they say Mockumental, my radio show um, that I uh, host on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm just going to promote myself. No, I was just about to say, look at <laughs> look at that perfect segue. We're right in synchronicity. I was about to ask about the show. I love and you to just, just promote myself. Um, yeah, I um, I do a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, and I do I try to kind of connects and stick to um, comedy music, but what I've learned is that comedy music connects to uh, a lot of different kinds of quirky, offbeat, uh, I would say just kind of outsider, unique types of music. And one of those, that's why I say it now, is is, um, nerd folk, nerd rock, nerd rap. Um, the nerds, man, they are, they're having their day right now. I mean, they really are. You need to check out and, and listen to her work, Kate Hart. Um, and she does, uh, what she's not sure if she coined it, but she didn't hear it from anyone else. She does nerd folk. You would love her stuff. It's really funny. And it plays around with a lot of science, sci-fi tropes and things like that. I love it. I love that. I love that. I actually do know some nerd folk-esque types. I'm so lucky that I do so many different things and so many kinds of music and so many kinds of art that I get to know so many kinds of people. And that so many, like this, you're like, you got to check this out. So now I'm going to go, you know, definitely Google her. Um, And then I'll, there's a a great group they're called the Funny Music Project, and they're a lot of nerd. Uh, they're not only nerd rap, but they're nerd folk as well. Oh. So I'd love to connect her to them because they would play her music, um, and they actually pay. <laughs> it's kind of nerd. It's nerd time. Uh, and I Watch think out, Jax. I know, exactly. I've always kind of uh, uh, always connected to nerds and felt a kinship. I never felt smart enough to be a nerd though. Um, 
But I do really get off on like, you know, like things like Fermi's paradox, you know, things like that, like where, you know, or alternate realities and timelines. And, you know, I don't know why I was never a Star Trek person. I, I, I just never got into it. But as I've gotten older, I think especially and maybe trying to define you're so you're so you're so ready for the expanse. It's not even funny. I know. And now I'm going to, now that's what I'm going to do. Like after I get off the phone with you, I'm going to um, check out the expanse. Binge it on prime. And if you visit prime slash busy listening, um, you'll get a four Oh four, but then I can use those metrics when I try and get prime to sponsor oh, the podcast. So uh, that you want to make sure and watch Am- uh, the expanse on Amazon prime. We put in promo yeah, code and- busy listening and maybe, you know, they'll notice. I will. <laughs> They'll give I you. Will. I'm I, sure Amazon Prime is going to give you a call, Brian, and be like, "We noticed. You never know that man. you've you been never promoting. Know. We the had show. three people get the expanse. You never. What is? Yeah, this you never show? know. <laughs> you got to start getting some kickbacks at some point. Like he mentions the expanse to someone pretty much daily. <laughs> and you should, Brian. I mean, like on a side note, maybe not even. You know, maybe you'll edit this out, but like, like. You know, local Cleveland connects, man. I mean, you have the mayor on. That's great. You know, I'm just saying as as local as you can get, those are the people that, like, will want to, you know, throw, even if it's, you know, whatever, 20 bucks an episode or, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, if you just throw out their name at the beginning of the episode, they're the ones that are going to support and you know, almost the smaller, the better in a way, you know? Yeah. With the podcast, part of, you know, doing it is... I, I want to re- make sure I stay connected with everybody in New York and this is a great way to do it. And I love the idea of, uh, I've been building a Cleveland audience and now as they start bringing New York people in, it's going to be really cool for them to hear people from New York. And then as New York people check out the, I'm podcast, do it. check out the Clevelanders. Yeah, tell me if it's too loud. That's okay. I mean, I think we can button things up. I got a lot of good exit points on the on our conversation and places to jump in and jump out. You're, you're you know, someone I respect so much and love, and your podcast I love very much. So oh, you're doing you. amazing work. And thanks for every, your uh, Radio Brooklyn show keeps it's good to always we tune into that whenever we can so we can keep a pulse. On well, what's you going have on. to keep. And you have to keep the boys doing their fun. You have to try to encourage them because I love it. And I will hold you to being a guest on Dominic's show. You got it. I'm do- Dude, I'm down. Like- All right. All right, Brian. Love right. you. Good night, Kelly. When it is legal and science is finally God, I am going to clone you. Try it out on our dog and it's socially acceptable. I am going to clone you. Cause one of you is not enough to deal with me and all my stuff. Two or more of you, my dear, would alleviate my growing fear that you'll get going when the going gets tough. Last night when you were sleeping, I swapped your mouth for DNA.
for listening if you enjoyed the show like any struggling podcast i can always use a little itunes love with a five-star rating or swing by the facebook page throw a like my way maybe a couple of comments and if you really really like the show you can kick a couple of bucks my way at patreon.com slash bzdug that's bzdug uh okay that's it end of podcast Enjoy whatever it is you're about to do next. Thanks. Bye.